This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, look, March is National Women's Month, and for the entire month, we will feature women of Mississippi who have had an impact on our state and on our world. And today we're going to feature scientists and conversation conservationist, excuse me, I'm a conversationalist, big difference, Fanny Cook. Now, she's a woman who, despite the odds, became the most widely known scientist in Mississippi and was nationally known for the go-to person for biological information or wildlife specimens for the state. We'll also speak with Libby Hartfield and Dr. Kathy Shropshire about her life and her legacy. Also, Michelle and I will be chatting about the latest headlines in our water cooler conversations. And you know what? We always want you to be part of the show. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back after the news. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. March has come in. I don't know. Okay. If you consider pollen season, March has come in like a lion. Because, man, I tell you what, the big yellow habab has come flying in through the state. I was out there yesterday cutting the grass. I got the blower out. Big mistake. <laughs> pollen looked, everywhere, right? I looked like pig pen, except it was a yellow cloud instead of a dirt cloud. Well, that's like, your pollen story. Watch mine. I got my car oh. washed. Oh, um, no, no, no. I you, have a garage. Why, so my, even, why even do that But right because now? I, I just yep. I couldn't take it. And I have my car washed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my car's in the garage. I thought I would be okay. By the time I got home... It looked like I didn't spend any money no, on my no. car. I and, was very upset. And, and you know, I mean, it, it's tough when your car looks terrible. My problem is, though, it's my kryptonite. And I mean, it's like, okay, I'm feeling good, and all of a sudden, like, wham, it hits me. So, you take anything? Uh, yeah, it's the... Um, Zyrtec? Uh, yeah. Claritin? <laughs> it's the one that doesn't make you sleepy. I, Zyrtec, so. my friend takes Zyrtec, and he literally yeah. has to take it. I think it lasts 12 or 24 Ale- hours. Allegra, I think mm-hmm. that's what I got. So. And it, it yeah. works, but if you don't take it, you know you're not no, taking it. You mm-hmm. definitely know. It's just like you like, suddenly I got off the flu, and then boom, wow. hits me. Boom. Mm. Anyway, last night was the Oscars. We'll talk about that. We got the water cooler segment. Mm-hmm. But I think we got a couple really cool guests in today. We and do. Of course, y'all know them. I mean, they are rock stars in their <laughs> own right. But they're talking about probably, since this, of course, it's March is women's national women's month national. it's worldwide women's <laughs> month forget national it's the whole world and uh i think mississippi's got claim to one of the coolest women probably pioneers out there and it, I, I knew about her because i've got three kids and of course many years i've been going through the national natural science museum here in the jackson area which is incredible by the way um and so i knew about the life of fanny cook and so that's what we're going to be talking about yeah. today because Fanny, I mean, not only was Fanny a pioneer in in the scientific world, but also, too, can you imagine being in the early 20th century hmm. and being as bold and being the pioneer that she was? To and, have that thought process to, to even want, with, exactly. Well, I mean, you talk about a man-dominated world, mm-hmm. and she got stuff done. I mean, it's incredible. So, And, of course, here I am driving past the uh, Department of, of, of Wildlife and Fisheries and Parks, you know. And Every day. Course, yeah, <laughs> I and do. past the Natural Science Museum. Exactly. And so, you know, Fanny's footprints are still all over the state of Mississippi. And, and it's incredible, of course, for a conversa- conservationist. I'm going to get that wrong <laughs> all day today. 
It's the pollen medication. It's always the pollen medication. So Blame anyway, it on something, huh? So, but yes, um, we're very. I'm just Libby Harfield's here, and of course, Dr. Cap- Kathy Shropshire. And, say um, that three times fast. I can't say anything con- three times fast. Right. Conserve. Oh, what is it? <laughs> conserve. Yeah, conserve. We're going to get Kath, Dr. Kathy and yeah. uh, Libby to say it correctly for us in I, just a minute. I am so medicated right now. <laughs> and if they would just make Sudafed to where you didn't have to drive to Louisiana to go get it. <laughs> I got stalactites coming out of oh, my nose. My it's terrible. So anyway, terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, like I said, the pollen count's five zillion. We'll survive. Uh, Oscars last night. I know you sat up all night watching it because no. you were on the edge of your seat. How you about this? Be- I have midterms this week, midterm exams. Uh-huh. So exactly. So I did the responsible thing. I T voted. I DVR'd it. I recorded it, and I studied. So I t- got off the televisions, turned every television off, went in my room, and I studied for my midterm exam. Well, today. I was studying the life of Fanny <laughs> Cook. Thank you very much. See, nice. Libby gave so, me the yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, she was, said yes, I did right. <laughs> I was studying the life of Fanny Cook because I figured if they were going to do the Me Too issue on the Oscars right. and, and women's rights, I figured, hey, you know, who's a better person to study? Also, too, because I knew the show. But no, I watched it a little bit last night, and of course, I had some. You know, movies I wanted to do well. Some of them did well, some of them didn't, but that's how that normally works. <laughs> and there were some entertaining moments as well. And uh, I thought Jimmy Kimmel, who was the host, he did a good job. I did watch the beginning. I can't say that, Libby. Yeah. I did watch the beginning. <laughs> I like to watch the opening number live, you know, because I, I didn't want to hear Marshall spoil it for me today, which he's, you know, going to do. So well, you, you could have, you, there's this thing called the internet. You could have looked before the show. I promise you. Um, but Jimmy Kimmel did great. And I thought his little thing about giving away a jet ski. That was, was hilarious. Helen Moran the shortest, the, the shortest speech. speech. Oh, that's funny. That was fantastic. And, you know, I mean, Mark Bridges won it. And of course he was the costume designer for Phantom Thread. Okay. And so he wanted to have 30 second speech and he got the jet ski. Oh, wow. And if anybody's ever been to L.A. I mean, the Los Angeles River is about the only place I guess you can use a jet ski. And that's the one where you always, I think it was in Greece, where they were, did the drag racing. It's that concrete river okay. uh, going through there. So I can just see somebody going down on jet ski in the middle of that. But it was fun. And there was another thing that they did where there was a, they were showing Wrinkle in Time, which, by the yeah. way, I'm really looking forward to because that was one of my two favorite books as a kid. Okay. It and were Red Fern Gross. Those were my two favorite books. March 9th, right? And, yeah, March 9th. I out, am they were watching a preview screening of that. Mm-hmm. And so. So that was a big ruse because halfway through this thing, they turned off the projector and suddenly all these Hollywood stars coming in saying thank you, giving out hot dogs and candy and everything. And there was one moment, one moment. Okay, you're watching all the funny stuff. It's great. And you see kind of you're watching Jimmy Kimmel, but off to the right, there's Gal Gadot, who was Wonder Woman, turns around and sees Mark Hamill right behind her, who played Luke Skywalker. And Mark Hamill introduced himself to Wonder Woman. And I was geeking out. I was like, this is awesome. Oh, my God. It was incredible. And so there were little moments like that. And, of course, I mean, when you see Rita Moreno come out wearing the same dress that she wore in 1962 when she won the Best Supporting Actress for West Side Story, she rocked it. I mean, she looked good in the same dress that she wore all those years ago, which – For me, I mean, I'm still wearing some of the same clothes I wore in high school. So, I mean, I feel like that that might be setting a trend, and I'm I'm kind of on the edge of it. Um, We had actually rewatched Darkest Hour a couple Mm. nights ago. Gary Oldman played Churchill, Winston Churchill. I mean, no, I take that back. He was Winston Churchill. That was so great. That was such a good movie. And uh, my mother-in-law highly recommended Three Billboards, uh, the Three Billboards movie. I know it's in a county in Missouri and my brain's not working so well right now because of the pollen. <laughs> but I will say it's supposed to be really good. Shape of Water's not one I wanted to go see, but it 
it did really well last now night, you want to so. see it you know because no, it's- not really but i mean <laughs> i might watch it just because it did so well i'm still mad that shakespeare and love beat saving private ryan so you know sometimes i it takes me a long time to get past oscar grudges right but i was very happy to see that get out did well yes. and i'm very happy for jordan peele yeah. that guy and of course i've always watched him when he does the comedy thing Keenan and Pe- yeah, yeah Keenan Keenan Peele. Peele. so funny yeah. so funny <laughs> Uh, Keanu was one of the funniest movies I think I've ever seen. Okay, that was just fantastic. But Get Out was so well written. And to see him become the first African-American writer to win that award for Best Original Screenplay, that was cool. So there were a lot of moments like that where Mm -hmm. the firsts and and so forth. Kobe Bryant won an Oscar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go figure. Um, Which was, you know, I mean, but what was cool on that, the other guy that was standing next to him, the shorter guy, Mm -hmm. it's a guy named Glenn Keane. And you're probably thinking to yourself, who's Glenn Keane? Well, I'll tell you, he was one of the top animators from Disney during the golden era when they had, you know, I mean, the, the second golden era when they had, uh, gosh, Beauty and the Beast, blah, blah, blah. He's also Bill Keane's son. And Bill Keane was the longest, longtime artist for Family Circus. Okay. And so whenever you watch Family Circus, which is the little circle panel that got the little kids, whenever you see Billy... That was Glenn Keane. Oh. And he's just, Glenn is one of the nicest guys. I got to know him when I lived out in California, and he's so talented. And so that was kind of neat to see. And actually, the vi- that the short that Kobe won for is very well done. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a wonderful short film. So I watched it last night, too. And it was a, the 90th um, anniversary of the, the, uh, the Grammys. Oscars. I mean, Oscars, Grammys. I'm, I'm still on music. I, she's obviously still on. Uh, still on the Grammys. No, but. she's actually on medicine, too. <laughs> but yeah. no, 90th, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a feat in itself. Well, yeah, it's hard years. to believe. Yeah, and you know, I mean, ninety. I hope to make ninety. Yeah. I hope I look as good, I guess, as some of the people. Anyways, it was a it was a fun show, I guess. I mean, there was some political stuff thrown in there, but it always happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the ones that killed me are the people on Twitter that were complaining about how political the Oscars were, but they kept watching it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you can go to Netflix and you can watch another movie, or you can do something yes. else. And not to give Netflix a plug, but the, there was a movie that I found over the weekend. That was done in, in 2017, and it was filmed here in Mississippi. And the reason I was sitting there watching the trailer for it, and my son walks by and he goes, oh, that's Choctaw Trails, which is the big cross-country course in the state where they have the state championship in Clinton. And it's right. And for you history buffs, it was also the site of Camp Clinton, which was the big prisoner of war camp during World War II. So he's like, yeah, I used to run that. I hate that part right there, you know, because he was sitting there going through the whole thing. So we sat down and watched it, and it's called One Mile to You. It's a movie. It's about an hour and a half long, and it's about a uh, young man whose cross-country team or his, his track team gets in a buck re- bus wreck. Buck rests. There we go. I get that backwards. And they perish, and co- he turns to running to learn how to cope and survive and, and get, develops a very special relationship with his coach, who's played by Billy Crudup, who's a fantastic au- actor in his own right. And it was just it was just a fun movie. So you've got different locations. It's Flora, Mississippi's in there. Downtown um, Raymond is in there. The battlefield at Raymond is in there. Uh, Germantown High School, which is in Madison County, is in there. The old Madison, uh, I guess it was the old Flora School, which used to be the Madison County High School, I mean, uh, Central Office, is in there. Mississippi College is in there. So, I mean, it was just fun to watch. And the car pulls up. It's got a Rankin County tag, which is on there. So it's, you know, that's one of the things about movies. And, of course, I know there's been 
um, a lot of effort to get the subsidies back, the tax cuts for the movie industry right. to get them back here in Mississippi. And I think, you know, that sense of pride when you turn on the TV and you see your home being portrayed in a positive way, which it actually was in this movie. Uh, that's why that is so important. And right. Of course, Atlanta's, you know, the big center hub mm-hmm. now for movies. Everything's filmed over there. Yeah. But it was just cool. It was and just it a cool movie. It wasn't a moment. slave movie. It wasn't a movie about um, civil rights. Know, civil rights. Which you know, is, we're not which, putting that down. That is wonderful. That's our history, and that's a part of Mississippi. But we want to show the other parts of Mississippi and show that we can make movies that are, that don't have slaves in it and don't have, um, you know, boycotts well, and, and I'll tell like you, that. I'll tell you what those movies show. They show the very thing that Fanny Cook fought hard to preserve, mm-hmm. our natural beauty. Yes. And so, I mean, there were just so many scenes in that. I was just going, we live in one of the most beautiful <laughs> places on the planet. Yeah, we do. And so it was very powerful. So I tell you what, let's talk about Fanny Cook. How about that? Because yes. she was a pretty amazing lady, and I think her life is uh, well worthy of bragging about. And we've got a couple people that know her pretty darn well. Libby Harfield, which y'all, you know pretty darn well, of <laughs> I do, course. I do. And, yeah, she's she's a rock star. And, of course, Dr. Kathy Shropshire as well. And, and so, I'm, I'm, I'm excited I'm about to, to meet say her, she's too. A, oh, the, the actress. The, the, yeah, I was about to say, she's portrayed Fanny exactly. Cook. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, we tried to get her to dress up <laughs> like that just because it's radio. We figured it would work fantastic. <laughs> and you know what? We want you to be part of this conversation. And you can call us anytime at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. As donors, we know that MPB makes a difference. Felder on MPB Radio was the catalyst that inspired us to include tea production on our blueberry farm. Our business continues to grow. That's That's our our MPB story. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Never let a good conversation get interrupted by a radio show. And, of course, our two guests are fantastic conversationalists. We've got Libby Hartfield. You know, you know Libby. She's, she's uh, like a friend. Well, she is a friend. Dr. Kathy Shropshire as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to see you. I mean, does it feel weird to be, so glad to be here. on this end of it? I'm right here with my little blue mic. I know so it. I'm, I'm, you like I that mic, don't you? Home. I mean, it's it it funny because she pushed, I mean, you pushed Kathy out of the way to get to that blue mic. I mean, it was brutal. It was like, it was like checking in hockey, man. <laughs> she's been on that yellow one. I've been on the yellow times. one, yeah. Yeah, she's like, no, nah, I'm good no, with the yellow. Color. I'm good. So as, as many of you might know, because, you know, radio is such a visual medium, we have different color mics here. And mm-hmm. so mine's green, and I don't think it was green to begin with. That makes me a little nervous, so maybe I need to clean it. But oh, I don't know. It looks clean. It does look clean. I like I've to just... check that too. Okay. Well, you can spray lice. Well, we got through flu season, okay, for the most part. <clears throat> Sorry, Michelle. Uh, I'm not going to bring that back up. Let's start from the beginning because uh, Fanny Cook's life and legacy started what 1889. That's that was a long time ago. Yeah, almost 130 years ago. That's so incredible. Yeah. I think I graduated from high school just a couple of years before that. Every now and then somebody asks us if she's still alive and that wow. opens up. Or a I, good I actually have had a student say, I thought it was you were Fanny at first and that really made me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well that's okay. I mean, seriously, they're like yeah. I mean, I will be in a school and I'll show a, a cartoon about Governor Fordyce and I might as well share Herbert Herbert Hoover. Right. Yeah, because you know. 
Yeah. Yesterday yeah. was a long time for yeah. that. But that said, um, if she were still alive, I think she'd be miserable. Yeah. At this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so too. <laughs> but you know what? Her legacy, I just drove past on the way up here to the studio. I mean, yes. you know, there's the Natural Science Museum, there's the Wildlife and Parks and Fisheries yeah. and Parks. I always get that backwards. Um, so in 1889, she what, what kind of family did she grow up in? She was Kapaya County, wasn't it, where she was her, born? And of course, her daddy was a farmer. He was one of those yeah. tomato farmers. Oh, and they had the best tomatoes down there. So, and she really um, grew up outside of town most of the time on a farm. Her yeah. family moved in, and they built a house in Crystal Springs that everybody pretty much that you find in Crystal Springs will know that that's the cookhouse. Yeah. They know that that's where Fanny lives. Where, whereabouts? Oh, just right there in downtown? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I should be able to say it's kind of that main drag. Yeah. Georgetown. Georgetown. Is it Georgetown? Yeah, Georgetown. That's okay. right. Georgetown Street. I, and, and I think, you know, why are we having this conversation? Why was she, Why would you say in a nutshell she was so important? Oh, I, well, I call her the mother of wildlife conservation for Mississippi, but then you get, that takes an explanation, too. That's pretty it's, powerful in its own, right? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard to have the elevator conversation without getting into I know, cause a she's, lot of different... Yeah, so many... I mean, you think not only mm-hmm. was she a pioneer on the com- conservationist side, I almost got it out mm-hmm. there, but uh, but also on, on the women's rights side, too, because you think about mm-hmm. it, she was born 80 years before a woman could serve on a jury. She was born 95 years before they, we sim- symbolically ratified the 19th Amendment. So <laughs> there was a lot to do on the, the fact that she rose up and became as prominent as she did was pretty close to a miracle. Yeah, yeah. But in, in, in her um, high school or her college yearbook, they said, Fanny knows not the many a failure. That's just incentive to try harder. <laughs> right. I was going to say there, yeah. that she had to have a very, um, very driven personality. Mm-hmm. What kind of education did she have? She well, she went to public schools there in Crystal Springs at a time. Now Crystal Springs was an interesting little community, mm-hmm. from what from what you know the research that we've read. Uh, they were pretty progressive. The railroad was in there, and they did the Chautauquas. Oh, and had been for a while. So yeah. all of all of uh, and see, I do this. <laughs> I've been calling Kathy Fanny and Fanny <laughs> Kathy a little bit lately. It's kind of spooky. It happens. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so, no, Kathy was not growing up in Crystal Springs, but <laughs> Fanny was. So uh, we know that the Chautauquas were going on. We don't know how much that influenced her. But her her mother and father were interested in all kinds of things that were going on and were well-read and definitely encouraged. There were, uh, they had 10 kids. Wow. Three boys and seven girls, and everybody was encouraged to get a good education. So they sent those girls to school, and and that wasn't exactly the norm at that time either. I don't so, think so. No, no. I mean, for, and so I mean, kudos to her parents. Yeah. So she did go on to the W after public yeah. schools at Crystal Springs. She went to the W, and then later um, studied for a little while at. Um, at the University of Colorado. Really? And then went to George Washington University. So she, she got out of the state, Washington. too. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was she, well-traveled. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, of course, all this is in the book, Fanny Cook, Mississippi's Pioneering Conversations. <laughs> <sighs> that, that's a hard title. Yeah, it really is, especially when you say, you know, conversationalists all the time, and, you mm-hmm. know, it just happens. But, uh, of course, Dorothy uh, Shawan. Shawhan. Well, Sean. Sean. Just, they, Sean. They okay. Kind of push that together there, Sean. And uh, tell us a little bit about Dorothy too, because oh, she passed in what twenty fourteen. Yes, and yeah. she was, too early. 
a wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah, and I guess we need to definitely put that out there that we're not the authors of the book at all. I'm listed as you are on the you are on the cover and though an editor mm-hmm. because uh, um, years ago I went to University Press and said this is a book that would be cool to do right because Lilo Salisbury was in the museum with her her child a lot and yeah. so we talked and she immediately found Dorothy Sean and Dorothy had done other books about it. women as she had said women that were underappreciated. Which is about 99.99% of them. It's kind of a big category. And my wife's not even listening if I said that. So So Dorothy started on the book, and, you know, I was sitting in the museum, but busy, and we had all the letters and photographs, and so I I just started sending her stuff, and when she could, because she was a professor at Delta State, so she didn't have a whole lot of time either, but uh, she really, she did a wonderful job of teasing out a lot of different aspects and the wealthy people shared Eudora Wealthy letters. Yeah, there's an incredible so connection was, there. Yeah. I really want you to talk about that yeah. because, at, number one, it's amazing how – wait a minute. We live in Mississippi. There's two degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. So if you know somebody's mama, you can pretty much get around mm-hmm. the state. But the fact that she and Eudora Wealthy were – I lived in the, under the same roof. Yes, yeah. Pretty amazing. So Dorothy was getting into all that. She was on a second edit, and she passed away. Oh, and so it was just heartbreaking for all of us. And the book just kind of sat there for a while. But her her sister, Margaret Ann, mm-hmm. was determined that the book was going to get out there. And um, her son, George, I think, so they encouraged. And Marion Barnwell was a good friend of hers who had taught with her at Delta State. And so University Press just kind of pulled us all three together. And we said, yes, we'll do the book. Mm-hmm. And then and that the rest- was... Yeah, that was kind of one of the impetuses, too. I was getting a long list of reasons why I should go ahead and retire after 37 years. So that was one of the reasons. So, you know, you want to spend more time with the family kind of thing, yeah. too. That's what all these yeah. football coaches always yeah. say that when they want to retire, too. I had too, a pregnant daughter <laughs> and a book that needed to be finished. Those are, yeah, yeah. That, that'll definitely take yeah. up most of your day. Uh, Kathy, how did you? This is not you on the front cover, though. No, it's not. <laughs> that that <laughs> actually, that is actually Fanny on that. But, right. um, you, and I, I was going to say, if you actually have portrayed her several times. Right. I guess 2016 was the first time. That had to be that fun. Well, it was petrifying. <laughs> okay. I mean, standing in front of people, but right. yeah. It's, well, actually, the worst experience doing it was when I did it for my husband. Really? The first time, because I'd. You don't want to do something really stupid in front of your family. I do that every day. <laughs> and then I did it at the museum one Saturday, and I decided, okay, this this will work. We can do this. I mean, and haven't you actually had people that have known her before? I mean, and yeah. And, and relatives. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah no pressure been, there. The, oh, yeah, no pressure there. I was, like, petrified. But they, they've accepted it, and, you know, and say, you walk just like her. Or, you know, really? Great. Yeah. Well, how, do, how so, would you figure out how she walked? Well, they talk about it. She okay. took long strides. She was very, you know. Forceful? Tall, very forceful. I tall. can imagine. She was, like, five foot eight, so she was a big. Wow, yeah, especially considering most men at that time were probably shorter than five foot eight. So you you, you go into like the World War II Museum and you see the uniforms and you realize, yeah, people back back in that time were much shorter. The book, of course, you know, once you did finally get it out and you probably held that first copy in your hands, you probably felt like, oh, my gosh, you talk about delivering a baby. It's done. It's a great book, by the way. I mean, it's thanks. uh, Lots of pictures, too, which that's cool in its own right. Just seeing the photographs. 
And that, you know, I mention that sometimes because maybe somebody will bubble up to the surface. Yeah. She had a, a big WPA project. Yeah. And, and so there was a photographer associated with it, evidently, because m- most of the pictures I used in the book, or all the really good ones, were from her WPA reports. So and we all feel like, and I've had professional photographers look at it and say, yeah, somebody really knew what they were doing, but we, we didn't know who. Oh, that's and whether it was one person or several people, I don't know. But anyway, they're really good photographs. Yeah, a lot of people don't era. know that about the the New Deal. They always just think about, oh, the Dust Bowl or building mm-hmm. dams and TVA or all that. But there was really a big push to kind of chronicle the life and environment of, of the rural South. Mm-hmm. And, wow, that's, 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 that's incredible, too. Was there anything about her life after going through the book and, you know, getting it all put together that you didn't really know that just amazed you? Oh, goodness. I guess just the depth, when we really started going through the letters to see who all she corresponded with and corresponded with so easily, you know, people basically all over the country and um, like Roger Conan, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, I grew up loving reptiles. And so we always had what we called the Conan, that was the Roger Tory Peterson series, the one that's on reptiles Uh was written by Roger Conan. And so then I find all these letters between Fanny and Roger Conant. Oh, wow. She even collected. He was the uh, director of the zoo in Philadelphia. She collected live snakes for him and put them on the train and sent them to Philadelphia. Bless anybody that tried to rob her house. <laughs> and speculated in the letter about yeah. would somebody give them water on the train? And I'm thinking, I'll bet no. not. That, not. Well, that was the original movie, Snakes on a Train. <laughs> yeah, That's right. right. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I just about to say, I could only imagine what her house was like. And, I mean, there must have been a lot of cool things slithering and yeah, walking the, around the, in the it. The wealthies were not real thrilled. With well, I was going to, okay, talk about that. I mean, we're, we'll take a break here in just a few yeah. minutes. But talk about that a little bit, the connection between her and her door wealthy, which I thought was just mm-hmm. fascinating. She she roomed, had a room at the wealthy house for about 15 years. And she, you have to understand, she was, as Libby said, she was more of um, – of uh, what's her Justine's Justina, Justina, age rather yeah. than Eudora's. Yeah. There's several years difference in their ages. But she lived there and they talk about bringing a, uh, you know, an owl in the refrigerator and a <laughs> hawk in the bathtub and a baby fox and all these things. So. An owl <laughs> in the refrigerator. Yeah. Was it? It was not a lot. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that would be, you know, quite disturbing at three o'clock in the morning when you want to get a glass of milk and it open up and an <laughs> owl pops out. Who? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who is that? Okay, okay, never mind. That was a bad yeah. joke. Yeah. Um, I, it just that, I mean, just thinking back on, you know, too, and, and I've got a, a very good friend whose daughters, uh, one wants to be a vet, and but they both went through the science mm-hmm. magnet school when they grew, and they're now up at Iowa State, I think. I mean, Fanny was kind of a trailblazer for women because at that time, people, you know, you became a teacher or you became a teacher. Well, and she started out teaching history and English. Really? She did not start out in biology. Really? Uh, Because uh, probably because she didn't know you could do it. Right. You know, nobody says, oh, sure, go be a biologist. So how did she make, how did she break through that literal glass ceiling? Just that that stride Uh, like you're talking about? (laughs) Well, yeah, just... A few assumptions and some actually some letters that we found recently from when she she went to the Panama Canal Zone and taught. You were kidding me. For a wow. couple of years. When she was there, she talks about a lot Was she lot there during the construction the, time? Yeah. In yeah. fact, it, now, I guess 
maybe it's remarkable for the whole family when you hear those seven sisters. A lot of those sisters were very adventurous. In fact, I did get to know for a short time the very youngest sister of the whole family. And she says, oh, Fanny wasn't even the most adventurous one. (laughs) So uh, a couple of the sisters were doing, and one of the sisters, Lena May, married an engineer who was working on the canal zone. And so Mr. Cook, of course, had to check him out thoroughly. Of course. They knew him because the oldest sister had taught him in high school and liked him. And so Mr. Cook goes down on a steamboat with his daughter to Panama to marry the guy and, you know, stays there for a little while. And then he comes home and then they send. So Fanny goes down and lives with him for a couple of years and teaches school and, of course, just becomes immersed in the habitat and a new culture. It just sounds like an incredible thing. I could imagine because how wild it was. And, of course, you know, the French couldn't get the canal built. The U.S. did because mm-hmm. of malaria was a big part of it. So yeah. she had to fight disease, too. And I was just thinking about how every young couple wants a relative to come live with them for two years. <laughs> that had to be wonderful. Now, that's adventurous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll continue our conversation about the incredible Fanny Cook in just a minute. With, of course, we have Libby Hartfield and Dr. Kathy Shropshire. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. for high school students was amazing. I learned new skills and now I'm pursuing a career in film production. That's my MPB story. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. You know, we always love talking about the most interesting people and stories here in Mississippi. And I tell you what, um, we are talking about one of Mississippi's, I guess, boldest pioneers because her life, we've been talking about it. Her life is just, I mean, she had no fear. She really did. And it was incredible. Of course, we're talking about Fanny Cook. She was Mississippi's um, pioneering conservationalist and I've just incredible life. And of course, talking about it are Libby Hartfield, as you know, from Creature Comforts, just um, one of our favorite people and Dr. Kathy Shropshire, who also is one of our favorite people as well, because I'm not going to hurt her feelings because she's (laughs) sitting in the room right near me as well. And, you know, so you just on a kind of on a whim or you go down to visit your sister and go hang out for two years and teach in the Panama Canal Zone while it's under construction, uh, when it's a really rough and tumble kind of place to be because malaria was a big problem back then and you get to learn about the environment and, and just new exotic creatures. But, you know, Fanny Cook doesn't settle down and just hang out. She decides to do something 300, 180 degrees totally different. So what does she do? She moves to... She went to Landers, Wyoming. Oh, of course. Who wouldn't (laughs) go from Panama to Wyoming? I mean, what a natural leap. Why? You don't know. Who knows? You know, that's what we said. uh, World War I started right about that time, and people were doing all kinds of unusual things, but she decided to go west. Yeah. And we don't really know why, but she was the principal at the school there. 
and it could be that it was a you know a great opportunity somebody told her about and she got on the train and went just for one there. year. She had been to Colorado yeah. okay. the summer in summer school, so maybe she just liked the way. I mean, I yeah. love the way. Oh, yeah. So yeah. You imagine? She, yeah, I want to think she wanted to see mountains. Yeah. yeah. I'm about to say, it's pretty darn nice in Wyoming. It's <laughs> some so. dry area after she's been in Panama for That's two years. That's true, because yeah. it's like living under a tongue down there, 98.6 <laughs> and wet all the time. Kathy, yeah. Kathy, you're a wildlife biologist, aren't right. you? Mm-hmm. Did she inspire you? I didn't know about her until I moved what? here. Yeah. What? Now, where'd you move here from? From Texas. From Texas. Yeah. Excellent. So, what part? Just, just Texarkana. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jerry Mitchell, who's at the Clarion Ledger, is from Texarkana. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, they, okay. you guys should know each other. That's, we how, we that's how we do it in Mississippi. Oh, I understand. Uh, but um, cool. <laughs> what, what inspired you? Um, well, uh, nature shows. Yeah. I lived out in the country. Me and my mother fed me things like the Audubon magazine. Did you grow up watching Wild Kingdom too? Of course I did. Yeah, did you never know? Of course Mar- I did. Marlon Perkins sat in the helicopter <laughs> yep. while poor Jim had to be wrestling Absolutely. the, 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 the snake. anaconda. Yeah. 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 Right? Yep. Every episode. And I thought, you know, I, I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. We could do that. And, you know, then you tell your parents you're going to go study biology and they're like, uh, <laughs> well, what, <laughs> what are you going to do with it? <laughs> yeah. What do you, we'll keep your room ready for <laughs> right. you when you move back uh, in. Can you teach? <laughs> But it worked out okay. It did, yeah, yeah. It, it worked it. out as well. Perfect. And um, yeah. uh, so, I mean, you. But were I gr- learned about Fanny after I moved here and, and worked yeah. at the Natural Science Museum. Okay, so that's where. I, yeah, you were there, and of course, you were at uh, Wildlife and the Wildlife Federation too, weren't you? Right, I re- yeah. retired from the Wildlife Fisheries and Parks and went to the Wildlife Federation. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Back to Fanny's life a little bit, and and you know, at this point, um, I'm trying to think when she actually f- founded the. Uh, Mississippi Game and uh, Fish Commission. That was that was during the Depression. Nineteen thirty-two, right yeah. in the midst of the Depression. Okay, probably the last thing on everybody's mind was saving the environment. How in the daylights did she manage to lobby the legislature to get this done? Part of the part of why it did happen is that conditions were so bad in Mississippi. We were the last state to get a agency whose sole purpose was to take care of natural sources. Right. I mean, if we, so, we think about it, the mm-hmm. Pine Belt had been cut over, so there was probably yeah. erosion all over the place going on with that. Yes, they had. Yeah. yeah. The railroads had come in chiefly, I think part of it was to get natural resources mm-hmm. out right. of the state. So they had cut, overcut the forest because, it, you know, it, weren't Missis- they, it, it was not Mississippians in, making those decisions. Well, I mean, obviously you, know, the you local saw the landowners right. weren't making those decisions. And you saw the dust yeah. bowl. So, I mean, obviously we were not doing good practicing, uh, yes. good practice yeah. when it came to yeah. farming and, and land and management. You remember from pictures, all the, the hats with feathers, feathers were a really big deal in fashion mm-hmm. in the teens and twenties. And they were getting those feathers from live birds. Florida had finally passed laws against the taking of birds and or they were I mean it was a, it was a really a hot deal in Florida because there were fights between oh, the yeah. first game wardens but a lot of those people moved up here Louisiana even started law, laws to protect natural resources before us so they were wiping out birds just going in and taking whole rookeries for feathers uh the game animals were really decreasing uh some of the reports say that there were many counties where you couldn't find a deer or a turkey. So Mississippians that were used to hunting yeah. to, to, to augment, you know, here you are at a time when you're really 
a lot of people are money poor. Mm-hmm. So they could have used that game for food. Right. And they were very aware that they didn't have access to it anymore. So in that way, she got support. Then there were some um, some really good politicians in the state that understood. Mm-hmm. And Kathy, you might jump in, talk because you did some of that research about the governor. Oh, yeah. That- some when we don't really know, we haven't been able to see the papers from Mike Connor. Mm-hmm. He was governor at the yeah. time, and he was the one that he said, you know, it's every, it's the, it's the duty of every government to conserve our natural resources. So either he came with that, and I have talked to his grandson, and he said, yeah, he hunted and fished. He said, but I really never asked him, did he have that conservation ethic? But um, yeah, that but he like somehow Roosevelt. somehow he got it, and I don't know if she got to him or what. But he's the one, you know, you got to have. The governor, governor doesn't hurt to have the governor backing you, yeah. but she just gradually built. Um, she started out with you know a few legislators being on her side, and then she'd get the speaker of the house, and then she would gradually pick up a few more people. And uh, Lucy Howarth uh, was one of the representatives that helped. She started an organization, you know, like a club, an organization mm-hmm. for the conservation of of um, wildlife mm-hmm. in Mississippi, Mississippi. So. She, when you go back and look at the people that were on the board of that organization, they were influential, important men mostly, but yeah. and some of them were the wives of of guys too. <laughs> but she really had put together a network of people that could get things done and people that were pretty progressive. And I thought that was pretty smart. Mm-hmm. She was a pretty good politician and pretty good leader too. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's and she was smart mm-hmm. enough to sound like she could pick people that could do things that maybe she couldn't right. do too, right. which yeah. is brilliant. And we, you know, we have the letters with her urging Ben Stevens. You know, mm-hmm. you you need to go talk to so and so and so and so. And so you know she she knew what needed to be done, and she was kind of orchestrating it a little bit. Yeah, because I mean I I see a lot of modern day politicians that can't figure out how to navigate the the legislature. So that's I mean she did it, and like I said, she did it in an era when good old boyism probably was. I mean she broke through that. Uh, You know, and of course I'm trying to you know thinking about her effort, um, some of the laws and the gas. The grassroots efforts to do that. She also traveled the state extensively. I mean, she she did, and she did a lot of talks. She did a lot of education. So, I mean, she knew how to get out and and yeah. make herself seen and heard too. Yeah, I love the fact that I don't know if this was because she'd been at the Smithsonian and she had been yeah. around all those good exhibits, but she came back and made little dioramas, yeah. and took them to all the county fairs. That's brilliant because that's where everybody is. Yes, and she continued doing that county fair thing on through the WPA days and all, yeah. even after she got the organization. But um, we were told once that the the fair here in Jackson, she because you know she ended up the museum ended up being there by the fairground, which is just sort of happenstance. But her exhibit was so popular and people were lined up that it stayed open an extra day after the fair closed. That's so that's she was, amazing. She was making progress at that point. Definitely. What yeah. year did it did the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science open? It was officially a museum in thirty nine. Okay. But you know, I've always sort of said it started even before the agency mm-hmm. because she was making those exhibits right. and carrying things around. She had a outreach program like we do from the museum today before she had the building. So I mean she was she was out there educating kids. 
you know, about mm-hmm. their surroundings and environment and probably inspiring little girls too at the same time mm-hmm. as well. As, she was so. <laughs> garden yeah. clubs and scouts and she was, she, she was smart about hitting on every level. Right. And she's, I mean, she was the director until 1958, right? So she was mm-hmm. there for quite a while. Yeah. Wow. Just imagine what she would think if she saw it today. <laughs> We've had that question several times. I think she'd be thrilled to death. Oh, I should have to be. Because the things that she had wrote, her dreams of what a museum would be like, or Libby did a great job in making that happen. I don't know. She probably, I don't know. She, I figure she was, um, she was pretty demanding of things. Really? Just from the people that, that <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. that, that I talked to. But Mr. Turcott said, but she wasn't unfair. Yeah. But if you had said you were going to do something and you hadn't got it done yet, she would remind you. <laughs> so I figured she probably would have had me working a little faster. <laughs> 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 You're like, hurry up, hurry yeah, up. she'd be walking through in those big long strides like that, and you're like, and you're trying to outrun her. Yeah, help, right. help, Kathy. Talk about when you're actually sitting down researching to how to portray her. And you, you mentioned a little bit. You talked to you know family on how she walked and everything like that. How long did it? I mean, how long did it take you to finally nail this? And you know, I mean, you were. You were doing like a 30-minute show, weren't you? It's a, right, yeah, right at 25 minutes, right. Yeah. Well, I, I, kind of, I just went through and said, okay, what do I want people to know about Miss Fanny? Well, she was a determined human being. She right. was a religious human being. She cared about education. She cared about the environment. And I started pulling out things from the writings that would tell that story because I want people to understand her, not just what she did, but you know, her maybe a little bit about her motivations. Can, can you do a couple minutes as her? I mean, no pressure. I was born July 19th, 1889, the seventh of ten children in Crystal Springs. In 1907, I enrolled in the Industrial Institute in college. You would know it as Mississippi University for Women. The Institute was established in 1884 as a place where the daughters of poor white farming families could get an education and thus better themselves. I love that. Uh, number one, it's like your toe, your voice, the cadence, and everything totally changes. I mean, I was I closed my eyes in there for a second. And I was like, I saw Fanny. That was good, cool. Good, good. You're well, supposed to. Well, very good. Why don't we take a break? How's that sound, Michelle? Is that what you were signaling for me? Yes, I can tell. She and I work just like hand in glove. We work so well together. And I tell you what, we're talking about the incredible life of Fanny Cook. And if you want to, if you have any questions for our guest today, you can give us a call at 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. be a lot. I learned the symptoms of a female heart attack from Southern Remedy, and it helped me to save a co-worker's life. That's my MPB story. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We have the world-famous Libby Hartfield in the house and Dr. (laughs) Kathy Shropshire as well. And we're talking about the incredible life of Fanny Cook, who... You know, really, honestly, is most widely known scientist in Mississippi, which is incredible and a pioneering trailblazer for women as well. Um, 
Libby, you know a little bit about doing radio. Uh, in fact, you know a lot more about it than I do. Uh, could you imagine Fanny Cook having a radio show? She would have done. She, oh, she, she would have been awesome. She did, she did have guess one. What she did, and guess what day of the week it was? What day? Thursday. Really? <laughs> but it was in the afternoon. And we don't know for how long, and we've never been able to find one of the recordings. But we've read about it that the, the agency had a radio show on Thursday afternoons at three fifteen. I think it said. <laughs> Why, you followed in her footsteps then. <laughs> we didn't know it until we'd started the record. That is awesome. So you have any copies of the recording? Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh. That if anybody listening out there yeah. knows anywhere they could be. Now, Kathy, that would have been nice oh, to that have would that. Been, but we wonderful because, yeah. yeah that would yeah, made your job much easier much on easier. that. Well, I don't know. Then it would be really intimidating. <laughs> well, that's... that's <laughs> No, no. Now, y'all are on a book tour. Of course, the the book is out. It, it's wonderful. I'm holding it in my hands. Um Y'all traveling all around the state? We are. You carry any exhibits with you, too? It's really fun. In my presentation, I use a PowerPoint slides behind to set the stage so that we don't have to carry. Any dead owls and stuff? (laughs) No. (laughs) Don't keep them in the refrigerator? Mm -hmm. No, but at least it sort of sets the mood and it helps people visualize those old exhibits and the collections and that sort of thing. So we use that rather than take the actual artifacts, which would be fun to take, but it's. It would be. I mean, kids are fascinated Mm -hmm. with it. I mean, like I said, I know from my own children, they always wanted to go. They called it the indoor zoo. (laughs) (laughs) They love to go. And of course, I love to go in, in August because it was inside and yeah, that was right. that was nice too but i mean yeah. you know the first time your kid holds a snake mm-hmm. or pets an alligator mm-hmm. or just and being able to connect because you know we're lucky in the state that a lot of our kids are actually still in touch with nature mm-hmm. oh, you, you go a lot of places and the kids never even get outside of a city so mm-hmm. i mean we're, we're very blessed well i think that was one of her you know she loved to be outdoors she loved the collecting she loved the bird watching and all that but her i think maybe her passion was education and reaching out you know well she was a teacher now right and I think, you know, that's where it started. And then, oh, well, I can do this collecting, too. I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> yes, she really did become a scientist, maybe because she saw the need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else was doing it. She was kind of that kind of thing. In fact, some of the letters are sort of almost a reluctance. Like when she worked on the stuff for the, the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. I need to pull some of those letters out and read again. <laughs> but I remember feeling like it was like, Surely there's somebody else that can do this, you know, because somebody had to go to the after World War Two when, um, you know, there was a lot of federal land all around. Right. And they were either going to sell that land, but the states had options of do, doing things like turning them into parks. And so, so there was a whole wave of natural areas and things. And so they own those barrier islands or parks oh, yeah. of all of mm-hmm. them. And so Miss Cook went to the legislature to basically get permission from the legislature, I guess they had to take a vote mm-hmm. to to turn those over to the National Park Service. And we didn't have a lot of money back then mm-hmm. either, so mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. some. But pretty... the state was not going to get the money if they sold the the right. land. It would go to the federal government. Okay, so that's how that happened. So that's part of it. But but it was kind of when she so the the Nature Conservancy, I guess, was a pretty young organization, and they wrote to her about we really need you to do this. She writes back the first time and says, "Surely there's someone else that can do this." I'm busy doing such and such and it was and then later there she was doing it so it was like nope there must have been nobody else to do it so, so. sometimes she struggled at delegation a little bit but you couldn't mm-hmm. find anybody else that probably up to her standard yeah. i think that's some of it too yeah. and when she started uh, george washington university in um the early uh, the late teens she had one of the things she had to do is find out how much other research had been done in mississippi and she could only find two two publications 
really? floor in Fauna, Mississippi. So she was pretty. There was not much out there. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, she was she was a trailblazer in that mm-hmm. respect too. Mm-hmm. What kind of? I mean, are there any questions that you get when you're out talking that just amaze you? <laughs> what hits you the most? I mean. About her life or anything. I mean, I imagine people. Are no, kind they're of, just kind of in shock. And, yeah. You know, I, I, when I'm doing my presentation, I'm very much watching people's faces. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're honestly sitting there with their mouths or a jar, like, oh, you, you know, this is amazing. I never knew. Uh, you know, it's it's fun to watch people's expressions. I mean, you know, here we are in a land of so many forces of nature. It sounds mm-hmm. like she was right up there with, mm-hmm. you know, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, and mm-hmm. all the other, but but <laughs> yeah. in a positive way. Right. Yeah, right. She didn't destroy things. She actually built things up a little right. bit. Um, of course, the parks. I mean, you know, I mean, here we've got so many jewels around mm-hmm. the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about that, about, about, you know, in that time, you know, building that up. Was there any resistance to creating the parks? Did people want to continue to just, you know, I have my land, I'm going to hunt on it or I'm going to cut it or do whatever. Yeah. And at that time, see, Parks was not a part of the agency. So oh, that's she, right. Okay. But and she was at, we have pictures of her at uh-huh. the opening of many of those parks. So evidently oh, yeah. she was involved with some of that <laughs> stuff, too. Anything she didn't do? Yeah, <laughs> we don't know exactly. She and Mr. Turcott were at a lot of those park openings. But that was going on a parallel time. That's another book somebody needs to write. Oh, really? Yeah. So her latter years, what did she do after retirement? She didn't retire. Oh, about to she say. never retired. I'm about to say, she, one day she probably just Technically, went, she had to retire. Yeah, technically, she yeah, retired. Okay. But she continued to work on publications, and she led field trips. And f- five years after she uh, retired, she passed away. So, But up until then, it, she took a field trip the day before she died. Really? She took, Where'd she go? To, so we think out from Crystal Springs somewhere. We think it was a scout troop. That's incredible. And the next day she passed away. What a way to go. Yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. keep continue doing what you love until yeah. the very minute. And so let's see, she she passed. I was trying to think what year it was. It was 1964. 64. So yeah. she lived a pretty good life. Mm-hmm. Pretty, 75. 75. She's almost 75. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's pretty amazing. The mm-hmm. book, of course, y'all are on the book tour. Um and you're about to go get some more books. Yes. That's what I've heard. That's part of the yes, reason. Definitely. You, you wanted to come see me, of course, but yes. you were also here on another mission. You need to go pick up some more books. Where, where are y'all headed next? Friday, the Natural Science, the Science Museum, Museum again. on Friday, and then we do um, Pearl, League of Women Voters. Yeah, League of Women Voters Saturday. and Pearl. And then we're and Oxford then Conference we're in Vicksburg. The then we're oh, in that's Vicksburg. Right, Vicksburg. That's right. Then we're in Oxford. <laughs> then we're in Columbus. So y'all are traveling just as much as she did. Just you just have better roads. Right, right, right. Yeah. much better roads. Yeah, taking her back to the W for homecoming. Yeah, she's going back. To oh, that will be awesome. Yeah. That'll be right. awesome. You know, a lot of people sometimes misunder um, they mis mis under they underestimate the W. There is a lot of powerful people that came out of the mm-hmm. W. Yeah, That's incredible. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So and she's definitely one of them. Uh, have y'all got a website, or is there a website where people can find out? And, she's the got schedule? a Facebook page. Oh, okay. Well, so, there yeah, you go. You can, you can like Fanny Cook all you want, <laughs> and then you can find out information about her. And just more Fanny Cook than you can you can handle. <laughs> yeah. So well, um, Libby, I got to tell you, you you're you're a radio pro. I hope this hasn't been too jarring today. <laughs> no, this you are you're a radio pro. Really, oh, now just you're smooth and great. You, you've got you another. And Michelle thir- have got it going on in here. Oh, Michelle's That's the great. pro. Good yeah. grief! I mean, yeah. she. I mean, she had a movie that was you know named after that won an Academy Award yesterday. So she's she's <laughs> she's world famous. So and we're not going to get into that because it makes her blush every time we talk about how famous she is. But um, thank y'all for so much for coming in thank today, you. and I mean, thanks for helping enlighten 
us all about a life of somebody who just really made a huge difference in this state. Fanny Cook. Thank you. All Thank right? you for the book spotlighting is her. Fanny Cook, Mississippi's Pioneering Conservationist. I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic book. I have my copy right here, signed, and I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to put it on my shelf after I read it of very famous authors. All right. Of course, Now You're Talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And, of course, the show is produced by the incredibly famous and wonderful and amazing Michelle McAdoo. Now, tune in. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. And, of course, we will be here. No, we won't be here next Monday. Well, we will be kind of here. You'll be listening to the show. Just I will be off taking spring break with my family. So that'll be fun. This is Now You're Talking. See you all next Monday.